Hey folks, welcome to this week's episode of Interesting Stuff, the podcast is about nothing and really has no body. Um, it's been a while, I know. Uh, not going to go too much in person detail. I had a friend of mine who was sick for a long time. She had cancer this third time she had it. And uh, she passed away last week. And I had to go up there with a good friend of mine, Ryan Sell, and... We spent the last couple of days of her life looking out for her and giving her meds and all that stuff, trying to make her comfortable. And uh, she passed away, and then we, mainly Ryan, had to deal with you know her state and all that stuff. And uh, it's just a real trying time, you know. You've got friends and family in your life, and we take them for granted. We really do. We don't think about a time when they're not going to be around. Uh, even somebody, and I'm not going to go into great detail or any of that stuff, but even somebody like me who has lost friends in the past and stuff like that, you just get complacent and you start, you know, thinking life's going to keep going the way that it goes. You know, every day is going to be the same and all that stuff. And the people that are in your life will always be there. Well, they're not. And, we found that out, you know, the hard way. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my friend, Sandra Pataki, who's a lady that passed away. She was 72 years old. Uh, she'd been a police officer at one point in time, way back in the day. Uh, she had been, she was a police officer before they even made academies mandatory. Uh, she trained uh, EMT. She'd been a correctional officer. She'd done some PI work, and she worked in contract security for years. I met Sandy because I was at that point in time in Walmart management. I was working there. I left contract security and went to work for Walmart and was moving up pretty good with Walmart. And uh, I missed contract security. I didn't like the politics stuff that were going on at Walmart. And I'm not bashing Walmart. Don't take this as a Walmart bash. Walmart is a typical corporation. Uh, if you have good management, it's a great place to work. If you have bad management, it sucks. And we had gone from really, really outstanding management <clears throat> when I started there to getting really crappy management. And my heart was always still with, you know, the contract security side anyways. The only reason I went to work for Walmart is because the company I worked for had been bought out. And as a member of, you know, upper middle management, you're one of the first cuts. So when I got cut, <clears throat> I moved up there and uh, that's I had a job lined up. That job actually fell through. I'm not going to name the name of the place or anything, but it was a place that had in or uh, in-house security and they transferred to contract security. So <clears throat> that job fell through because they were offering a lot less money than what I'd agreed to. And uh, so I got mad and didn't think and basically told him go to hell. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I ain't got a job anymore. So I had to take, you know, the first job I get my hands on, which was at Walmart. And I'm not knocking Walmart. But anyways, a little bit of background there. <clears throat> anyways, um. I was working and I wanted a part-time gig and I wanted to get my foot back into contract security. Well, in Springfield, you didn't have a lot of choices back then as far as contract companies went. And uh, 
you know, I saw this ad and, you know, it was from a company I'd never heard of. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll check them out. And it was weekend gig. You know, I was only guaranteed like 24 hours a week, 12 hour shift, Saturday, Sunday. I'm thinking, well, you know, I could do this, man. You know, bring in some extra money. It wasn't a hard gig. There wasn't much going on. As soon as was my boss, she interviewed me. And I remember when we did the interview, she's looking at my resume and she's looking at me and she's going, you know, you're way overqualified for this. And I remember telling her, yeah, but, you know, I, I can still do it. And she hired me. And that lady pushed me from the get-go. She was talking to her boss and her boss's boss and telling him, I hired this guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's really good. And uh, then I met with her boss, who was the regional manager, and I met with the senior vice president of uh, operations for the company. And we came down here, you know, to Alabama because I knew this market very well. I had connections down here. And uh, we did a couple of sales calls. I got them in the door. We got a couple of contracts. And, you know, the next thing I know, they offered me a really good deal to where, you know, I could work the weekends still at that post. And then they would pay me a lot more money for three days during the week to do sales calls. You know, bonus commission plus a base salary. And I'm thinking, well, heck, this is just what I've been waiting for. And it was comparable to, you know, what, what I was making at Walmart. It was more than what I was making at Walmart. And Walmart paid me good. I was in management at this point, and they paid me, you know, actually really good. But I wanted to get back into contracts, so I'm doing sales and all that. And Sandy, uh, her hip started acting up. She had to have hip surgery. The next thing I know, I get a call from um, her boss's – or her boss – and he tells me, he said, you know, uh, would you be open to moving up with the company? And, of course, I'm going, yeah, man, I'm cool with that. I'm, th- I'm thinking it's going to be more of a sales-related thing. And he's like, all right, we might have something in the works. We'll get back to you. I'm like, okay, you know, cool, whatever. And I uh, wait around about another month, and then I get a call from her boss's boss. And he said, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Well, so oh, nothing really. You know, I'm going to be sitting around the house. And he said, good. Then you can go to New York. We just created a position, and you're going to be the one that fills it. And that position was training manager. <clears throat> so I got sent up to New York, and I had New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, pretty much everything on the East Coast north of, you know, well, Virginia north of that, you know, over to Ohio, you know, all that stuff. And uh, we had a new account. You're trying to get it going. We're having some problems doing it. I'm not going to go into all the specifics on all that stuff, but, you know, I went up there in this new position of training manager and we got it squared away. And then I got promoted to regional manager shortly after that. And uh, the reason I bring all that up is because Sandy was originally going to do that job. Sandy's hip was hurt. They told Sandy that they could probably wait until she got feeling better. And Sandy told them, We got, you know, you've got issues up there. It needs to be fixed, and I've got the guy that can do it. So once again, she pushed me, and she gave me her job. She gave me her promotion, and it opened doors. And, you know, it's just kind of person she was. She was a really funny lady. She was a great lady. She was a great friend. She was a great boss. 
And I want people who didn't get a chance to know her, who weren't lucky enough to get to know her, to know a little something. And this podcast will last forever. That's the great thing about podcasting. It's going to last forever. So you might not know Sandy Pataki, but you're going to hear about her. And 20 years from now, somebody's going to hear this you know, podcast, and they're going to be like, well, Sandy Pataki sounded like a great lady. She was. She was a phenomenal lady. Good friend. Great boss. I don't remember us ever having a big disagreement. I just don't. And I can be a very abrasive person. I can. I'm not going to lie about it, especially when it, when it comes to work. I'm very opinionated, you know, and I'm very, I can be very abrasive. I know that. I can't remember us ever having a big, long, drawn-out argument. I can remember us having disagreements. I, I don't think we ever had a, a big argument, and it never ended. We, we never hung up the phone mad at each other, you know. Before we got off the phone, it'd be like, I love you, Sandy. And she'd be like, I love you, too. I'm going to miss that about her. I'm going to miss, you know, calling and <clears throat> having her say, well, hello, Mr. Jeremy. That's how she always answered the phone. Hello, Mr. Jeremy. How are you today? You know, how, how's the, you know, Miss Dana, which is my wife. How are the kids? You know, how's this? How's that? This woman, like said, had cancer for the third time. And the past couple of years have been rough, real rough on her. Same company we're talking about. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going in detail, but they really screwed her over. And uh, they caused her to lose her house. A lot of stuff, man. The last six years of her life have been trying to rebuild. And then the cancer comes back. And the last couple of years have been trying to rebuild her life. And on top of that, having cancer again. She didn't once complain. She never once said, look at me, poor me, poor me, poor me. Not once, ever. She always was positive. She always was asking how you were doing, you know? And you'd ask her how she's doing. She's like, I'm doing good. You know, my chemo's doing this. My chemo's doing that. She was just a, a really remarkable person. And she's someone who enriched my life and everyone's life she touched. And she needs to be remembered. And if you just hear this, like I said, I know you didn't know, you didn't know Sandy. But I hope you hear this. And I hope a couple of things. One, that you can say a little prayer for Sandy. And two, that you don't do what we all do and get complacent and, you know, not communicate with your friends and your family like you should, not stay in touch with them like you should. This life's short, man. We're not guaranteed a friggin' second. Or I said friggin'. Why well, I've already gone off the deep end cussing already. Well, yeah, we're not guaranteed a fucking second. We're not guaranteed anything. We're going to be born. We're going to catch the code. We're going to pay taxes and we're going to die. It's all we're guaranteed in this life. Period. You know? So do yourself a favor. Reach out to the people that you love. Reach out to the people that you care about. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that you care about them. Tell them how much they mean to you in your life. Because you never know. Tomorrow you could be gone or they could be gone. I'm lucky I got to talk to her, you know, while she was still lucid. It'll be two weeks ago tomorrow. I spoke to her on the phone last. And uh, that was on a Monday. 
And then on Wednesday, she, you know, was sent home for hospice care. And like I said, myself and my friend Ryan, who's a trained paramedic, we stayed with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, not seven days, four days, you know, but we were there 24 hours administering her meds once every hour. And by that point, by the time I got there, which was like three o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, she couldn't communicate, but she could squeeze your hand. And uh, she knew I was there. I told her I loved her. And then shortly after that, she was no longer lucid. She couldn't reply. She couldn't do anything. Her body rejected the chemo is what happened. Her kidneys and all that stuff started shutting down, and that's what ultimately killed her. Cancer didn't kill her. She kicked its ass again. You know? She just couldn't beat cancer and the chemo. You know? Both of them got her. The combination the two did. But that all that being said, I got to tell her I loved her and I got to tell her, you know, how much she meant to me. And I got to thank her again for giving me my upper management career, you know, because she's the one that gave it to me. That was supposed to be her career. <clears throat> she gave me that because she knew I could do it. And she was so selfless that she put the company and me above what she wanted. Because like I said, they would have held off. They would have waited till she got good or well enough to go up there and do it. But because the company needed help, the company was having problems. And because she knew I would like to move up, she recommended me. And it was a slam dunk and I got it. That was all due to her. So, Sandy Pataki, I want you to know I love you, buddy. I want you to know that you will never be forgotten. And I want you to know how much I appreciate everything you did for me and that you brought into my life. And again, everybody out there, pick phone up, make some calls, go see some people, spend time with your loved ones, spend time with your friends. Because it's not guaranteed. Nothing here is. And the worst thing in the world is to have those what-ifs in life. What if I had done this? What if I had done that? What if I had called this person who I can never speak to again now when I had the chance to? That's not something you want on your conscience. So, Sandy, this one's for you. And I love you. And uh, you will, you'll never be forgotten, my friend, ever. So we're moving past all that stuff. We're going to go into some other stuff here. Uh, wrestling, man. Wrestling, 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 which, as you all know, I freaking love. You know, I hadn't really been able to keep up with it too good. I know tonight Rich Swan's going up against Kenny Omega. I think it's a win-win situation, man. I'm an AEW guy. But I was an impact guy from 04 to 14. Then, you know, again in 16 when, you know, the summer of broken, you know, the broken summer, Matt Hardy. And uh, then, you know, I started tuning in again about a year ago because, you know, they've really made a lot of progress. So TNA impact will always have a, a special place in my heart. It will always have that, you know. That being said, what I'll watch every week is AEW. I love AEW. I love their product. I love everything about it. So 
to have the AEW World Champion going up against the Impact World Champion. I, I can't wait for this match. And either way, it's a win-win situation. Rich Swan could do – I don't think the guy can do any wrong. He's one hell of an athlete, you know. He's getting better on the mic. He's working on it. But as far as his in-ring ability go and his believability as a champion, yeah, there's no doubt the guy knocks it out of the park. He's everything you'd want in a champion. Uh, Kenny Omega, you know, speaks for himself, man. Arguably the best in the world right now. Uh, him, AJ Styles, Okada, a couple others can be put in that conversation. I would definitely put the bastard Pac in there, and, you know, Will Osprey would be in there as well. But, I mean, these are guys that can do whatever the hell they want to do whenever the hell they want to do it, you know, in the ring and, you know, have great understanding of ring psychology, all that stuff. I'm excited. If Impact gets it, it would be great for Impact because it's going to bring viewers over to see that product, which they have worked so hard on building that brand back up. It's very friggin' enjoyable. It is fun to watch Impact Wrestling now. I'm just, I'm telling everybody, it's safe to reinvest in Impact, and it's fun to watch that product right now. They've, they've got some good stuff going on over there. It'd be great for AEW. I mean, to bring the Impact World Championship over, it's going to be good for Kenny Omega. It's going to be good for AEW, and it's going to be good for Impact because, once again, now you've got Impact getting eyes onto it. Yes, vis-a-vis AEW, but people will tune in to watch that Impact Championship being defended. And when they see the talent coming over to AEW, you know, guys like, you know, Sammy Callahan, guys like Rich Swan, et cetera, et cetera, people are going to be like, man, those guys are really good, and they're going to start tuning in to watch Impact. So either way, it's a win for Impact, and either way, it's a win for AEW. It's going to expand their brand out. It's going to get new eyes on that product. I see a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a loyalty to a brand. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm an AEW fan before that. You know, I was big ECW, WCW, and, of course, USWA, Continental Wrestling, Memphis Wrestling, of course. Those were what I always watched. But that doesn't mean I couldn't watch the AWA and enjoy it. doesn't mean I, could, I couldn't watch even WWF and enjoy it or WCCW or any of those. I had my favorites, but I could watch anything. Wrestling fans have to start getting back in that mentality, man. You know, I mean, when most pro sports, you've got people who are a fan of one team, like with baseball, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. That is my team. That is the only team that I really follow. That's the team that, you know, I love. But if I see the Giants playing the Padres, I'm going to watch that too because I love the game of baseball, you know. And as long as they're not playing St. Louis Cardinals or hurting the Cardinals anyway, I'm going to pick a team and root for them. Wrestling can be the same way, man, and we can be better in wrestling. Why can I not root? I mean, yes, you know, maybe I'm an NWA fan. So the NWA is going to be what I'm interested in. The NWA is doing some great stuff, too. You need to watch that. But let's say I'm an NWA fan, and Nick Aldis is my champion, and, you know, the 10 pounds of gold, that's what's important to me. Yeah, that's cool. Doesn't mean I can't enjoy AEW. Doesn't mean I have to hate AEW or WWF or any of those. It just means I prefer this one brand. As a wrestling fan, I want 
as many wrestling companies going as I possibly can. Why? Because every company brings something different to the table and it gives people places to work. It gives these, you know, athletes a, a place to go to to get a job. We're living in a time that is wonderful right now. We haven't seen it since the territory days. You can have guys, you know, <clears throat> like a Marco Stunt. Marco Stunt can work in pro wrestling, and they can let him show what he can do, even though he's not a big guy. If there was one company, Marco Stunt would never have that opportunity because he's not six foot five, 300 pounds, juice to the gills. But because you have more companies now that are constantly looking for new talent, <clears throat> a guy like Marco Stunt, who is talented, can get out there and showcase his wares in front of you know a television audience and make money doing it. I'm all for it, man. Anyone who wants to step in that ring, I am all for supporting them. I'm all for I'm all for everything. And the more companies we have, the better it is. The more opportunities people like that have. I remember growing up <clears throat> being a Memphis fan, watching Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee was five foot six, not a big guy. But Bill could work his fucking ass off. He's one of the great, and people never talk about Bill Dundee unless you're from the Memphis territory. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, Bill was one of the best that ever lived. He's one of the best that ever laced up pair of boots. He deserves a lot more recognition than what he gets. Bill never did get a chance with WWF or anything like that because he wasn't big enough. You know, he wasn't pushed to be the main eventer he could be. But Memphis, let me tell you, Bill Dundee was legit. Bill Dundee was <clears throat> one of the top guys. It's good for the sport. And it's good for the people who love the sport, who want to get into the sport, who want to compete. I love it, you know. And the same can be said with Ring of Honor and NJPW and MLW. MLW just got a TV deal, man. That is freaking awesome. MLW's got some great stuff. I love watching that. You know? The, I'm all for more companies, which means I have more variety. And more companies also means each company's got to be at the top of their game to keep viewers watching them, supporting them. Because if Ring of Honor is infinitely better than, let's say, AEW, well, I'm going to be tuning into AEW. AEW's got to raise their game to match Ring of Honor. You know, it gives power back to the fans so that we can sit there and push them to do better and provide better entertainment. <clears throat> and uh, it also, each one of these companies has a different style to it, which I miss. Because, you know, going back in time, Memphis had a certain style of wrestling. Well, so did Calgary. And Calgary is my favorite style. It was so, so realistic. You know, that's what the Hearts did. You know, Bret Hart is a master of that style. Dynamite Kid, Davey Boy Smith, Chris Benoit, who I know, touchy subject, but, you know, let's face it, as far as in-ring ability goes, the guy was incredible. Uh, Chris Jericho came from there. And you watch how those guys from Calgary work. It's just such a, a – it looks so much more realistic. I was from Memphis. We had our own style. There was a brawling style, which I enjoyed. Then, uh, you know, you could go to Jim Crockett Promotions, which was NWA, which was more actual, more wrestling-based, you know. Uh, WCCW had its own thing going on 
for you know a few years there where it was just off the hook. It was incredible. AWA, a lot like the NWA, much more realistic. You had guys like Nick Bockwinkle up there who's one of the greatest that ever, ever graced a ring. He could talk, he could work, he could do it all. You know, WWF was the over-the-top personalities. Your Hulk Hogan, your Macho Man Randy Savage. So there was something out there for everybody back then. And you can enjoy more than one program. There were things about WWF I liked. You know, uh, I liked most just, I mean, it's just my personal, you know, opinion. I liked guys like Jake the Snake Roberts. I liked uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I really enjoyed Kurt Hennig, even though he was a heel. I loved Rick Rude. Those were the guys in WWF at that point in time that I really gravitated to. I liked Demolition, the tag team. Of course, you know, Legion of Doom. Who doesn't like Legion of Doom? Uh, Bushwhackers, stuff like that. The main event guys, you know, there's no disrespect to them. I didn't really appreciate Macho Man until I got older and started watching his stuff back. You know, because as a kid, I always thought, well, you know, that's Hulk Hogan's number two. That's all he is. Well, you figure out when you get older, you start researching Randy, and you start watching him as an adult. Randy was one hell of a fucking worker. One hell of a personality all the way around. I didn't give him near enough credit for as good as he was for years. But the main event scene in WWF just wasn't my thing. Again, that's no disrespect to anybody. It just wasn't what I preferred watching, you know. Whereas with WCW... Jim Crockett promotions, you know, whatever you want to call it, in which incarnation it was. It was at that point. There we go. Uh, I could watch. I love watching Ric Flair. You know, Ric Flair against anybody. I could watch that stuff all day. You know, back home, Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler taking on the world. Jerry Lawler is still, to me, the greatest that ever lived. He's got more championships than any pro wrestler in the history of pro wrestling. Shout out to you, Jerry, who I am proud to say follows me on Twitter. I'm I'm still blown away by that. You know, greatest wrestler that ever lived all the way around. He did it all. But I don't want to see wrestling fans being so bitter and being so negative. We need to be happy. Our sport is hitting another boom period, you know. And that's great for us. It's great for the sport. It's great for everybody. So, pay you know, watch the other shows. You might not like it, but watch it. I guarantee you every one of these companies has one or two people that you can really get into. They do. You just got to watch it. I mean, MLW, Von Erichs, man, Kevin's boys, they're incredible. You go over to NJPW, you got Zack Sabre Jr. You got Okada. Got Naito, some incredible performers over there. Go to Ring of Honor, you got them boys, the Briscoes, in my opinion, the best tag team in the world right now. Got PCO, Perfect Creation One, who is just unbelievable. You know, absolutely unbelievable what that man has been able to reinvent himself into at his age is just knock knock your socks off, man. He's absolutely incredible. NWA, you got Trevor Murdoch. You got Nick Aldis. Aldis doesn't get the credit he deserves. He is more than worthy to carry on the tradition of the great NWA champions. Tim Storm's over there, too. I love Tim Storm. Who could not love Tim Storm? You know? Honestly. Uh, WWF, you know the roster. WWE, I mean, you know the roster. You know what's up there and stuff. 
uh, AEW, you know the roster. Those are two big dogs over here in, you know, the uh, North American continent. So, you know the rosters. Then you go over to Impact Wrestling. You got Sammy Callahan, incredible, incredible talent. You got Rich Swan, incredible talent. You got the Good Brothers, one hell of a tag team right there. You know, uh, you got... Eric Young, who I absolutely love, Eric Young. He can do no wrong in my book. Got Cody Diener. The list goes on and on. Chris Saban, James Storm. There's so many people that you might not even be aware are on Impact Wrestling. Tune in, give it a watch. Tune in to all of them. Find them. Watch them. Enjoy them. Let's be positive, wrestling fans, and let's enjoy what we got because we all know what it's like. Wrestling is cyclical. It will boom, and then it will die. Well, the last boom we had was in the 90s, man. 90s, from about 1995, let's say, until about 03. That was the last boom period. And then 03, it started to dry up on us. And since 03, for 18 years, we really haven't had much. Let's enjoy this while it lasts, because we all know it's going to come to an end eventually. I hope it doesn't. I hope every company out there right now just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, be prepared for if it doesn't. At any rate, be more positive, wrestling fans. Come on, let's do this. We we are better than this. Ah, oh, boy. Let's see. So I'm at almost a 30-minute mark now. You know, I really can't think of much else to say. I'm sorry it took so long to come back out with the podcast. Like I said, I've... I've it's just been hectic. It's been crazy. But I'm going to do one next week. It's going to drop on the appropriate day. Not like this one. And uh, we'll get into some more details about other stuff. But until then, I'll, and I will have the theme music next week provided by Gabe Grantham. Shout out to you, Gabe. But for right now, we're going to call it at 30 minutes or in some odd seconds. I want all of you to be smart, be safe, don't do stupid shit. Look out for each other and love each other. Take care. Bye.